Good evening. Alright, so tonight we are going to start our brand new series into the book of Genesis. So for a lot of you, or most, all of you, no matter what Bible you have, we will be on page one. We're going to be in chapter one. That, see, I'm hitting that. I wasn't even a joke. I was trying to be simple. Like, we're going to be in chapter one, verses one and two. We're only going to hit up two verses tonight, but they are... They are deep in, in beauty and deep in doctrine. So um, I want to take a second, though, and reemphasize uh, the room we're in and how thankful I am that you are a people that just follows the leadership of the church. I know a while back we had an Advent series, and we kicked off that Advent series with a night of worship. And, and it was a great night of worship, and I really enjoyed it. But one of the, the side effects or one of the, the symptoms of that night was we just want to see if we could pull this room room off like was it worth the move um, was it was it was it able to um, be molded into something we think would take us a step forward in worshiping and, and a step forward in just communing together and we decided yes it, it it is possible there was some raw potential there but it needed to be heavily molded and we went to the church that we partnered with which is Kessler Park Baptist Church and I can't say enough about their faithfulness. Um, uh, they are a just a faithful group of men and women. Um, they're, they have walked alongside us for the last three years, and pretty much everything I've ever come and asked of them, they said, yes, whatever it takes to grow your church, do it. And uh, it would be easy for a very established church like themselves to see us as just a new church, uh, trendy, progressive, which I'm not sure we're actually any of those things, um, uh, coming in and just being a easy, it would be easy for them to be grumpy, and they've never found themselves in the position where they just weren't humbly willing to help us out, and that goes the same with this room, so they said, yeah, um, we know it, it needs some love, it needs some lipstick, it needs some some, some polish, uh, but go to it and have at it, and uh, I want to say a special thank you to the staff to kind of making it happen, but more, more specifically, just Jamin, this was a lot of this room was Jamin's uh, doing or Jamin's ordering or Jamin's uh, uh, sweat and tears. I know a lot of people helped out. I know Casey helped out a lot with the floors. And yesterday we spent a large amount of time in this room, much longer than I thought. Um, if you're wondering, the chair you're sitting in has been prayed over. Each and every one, it's also been cursed over. Uh, uh, every sec- every every inch of the chair you're sitting in was covered in some kind of wrapping that had to be cut. So we got to be a part of that. That was great. Um, but just the idea and the thoughtfulness and the the, the uh, ingenuity to say, this room has potential, I see it, and we're going to make it happen. Um, so thank you, Jamin. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And thank you, Hillary, for allowing him to be mine, like, just for a season obsessed with making this room a beautiful place of worship. So there's nothing special, though, in of itself about this room other than the fact that this is where we as Trinity Church have decided we are going to call home for the next foreseeable season. This is where we're going to worship God. This is where we're going to study God's Word. This is where we're going to be the hands and the feet. This is where we're going to just communally be uh, the people that we already are inside the will of God. So I'm excited about this room. I'm excited about what it means for us as far as being able to be a little more in control of where we do stuff and how we do stuff and when we do stuff. So I'm thankful for that. We're also kicking off a brand new series, which is a study in the book of Genesis. So this is the first time we've studied a book where we're not going to commit to do every word of every verse. So um, the first book we ever did was James. We transitioned into Mark. Uh, We then transitioned into Colossians. And we took pauses there for Christmas 
Christmas and Easter, but for the most part, we stood to an exegetical study. So every one of the books we've studied so far has really been a word-for-word study. We started with the first and we ended with the last. With Genesis... That's really not just possible for us. That would be a six to eight year study of the book of Genesis. And I know y'all are faithful, but I don't want to put that to the test. I think about year four, y'all, some of y'all may do so and say, I need to hear something else. And that's understandable. So we're going to do um, really a thematic uh, mixture study. Um, like tonight, we are going to do word by word study of the first two verses. But there will be times where we do synopsis of chapters and we, we read uh, the more specific places we're going to study. And our, our job or our goal um, is really to just convey the message of Genesis. We, we uh, decided about a half a year ago, and we were sitting down saying, where do we go next from Colossians? Where do we go next after Advent in our identity series? And we just sat around and we prayed, and we was like, where do we want to go? I said, hey, let's just jump right into Acts. We just finished Mark. Let's do Acts. It's super long, word for word. That'll get us like three and a half years. And Jamie was like, no, that's too long. Let's do Genesis. Um, yeah, that was a church joke. Um, uh, and I thought, and it just it clicked with me that like yes the foundation of what we believe has to come from the foundation of where the Bible was started where it was written and I think uh, it, it doesn't uh, get looked at a lot because there are a, a lot of complicated texts there are a lot of head scratchers in the book of Genesis there's a lot of stuff that we're going to have to unpack but I think it's, it's a beautiful way to start it's a beautiful way to see the origin that's what Genesis means Genesis is, is translated into just the word origin where is the origin of our belief. Where is the origin of our faith and then the origin to the Hebrew people and through them uh, the, the story and how everything in Genesis, whether it be from the first verse or all the way to the end, is pointing to a Messiah. It's pointing to uh, the totality of Scripture. We believe that uh, all Scripture is breathed out by God and that none is more important than the other. It's all just one fluid story pointing to redemption. And we're going we're gonna to jump into that. Yeah, we have signed up for some work. There is going to be um, some weeks in a family group that you're going to have to dive in and dig into some hard passages. But there's nothing to fear. There's nothing that we are ever going to come across that we're going to shy away from or not lean into. There, there's a lot of just work and beauty in the Old Testament that points to the beauty of the New Testament. I think um, each book stands on its own, but there's so much more beauty that can be taken when we're reading through the Gospels or Paul's uh, epistles, when we understand the origin of where they came from. We understand the people and, and, and the culture to which they are being written. So I'm excited. Um, it's important for us to know where we came from. It's important for us to know whom we came from. And I think that that knowledge, the, that peace that we can find in the declaration of biblical truth can shape our daily faith and our daily walk. So without uh, further ado, let's stand up and let's read uh, the first two verses of the Bible. The first two verses in uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read it out loud. There's a Bible and a chair next to you and it should be behind me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray over us, and let's just dive in. 
God, thank you for today. Thank you for this group of people that has just faithfully walked alongside you for the last three years and said, we want to plant your church. We want to be your people, and we want to change this city with gospel-centered love. God, this is a new series. This is a new room, but you are the same God. God, I'm thankful for just the opportunity we have to dive into your holy word, that we may pull the marrow out of it, that we may apply what, what is so sovereign and sacred in your teachings to our life, that we may be more and more in the image of God, more and more in the image of your Son, Christ God. I pray everything we do in the next few minutes is just solely focused on diving in your word for your ways and for your glory. I pray all this. Amen. So like I said, we're not always going to dive in word for word, but tonight we are because there's, there's some beauty in, in the first two verses. And I think um, just like any other teaching, any other doctrine, we're going to walk through the doctrine of creation. That's what Genesis 1 uh, is primarily focused on. And I want us to understand, I want us to have really good roots, really good foundations of where we say we came from, what we say we believe, and why we say we believe it. So Genesis 1-1 is really a 30,000 view, uh, uh, view of creation. It is a declaration of, of truth. It's a declaration of who God is and what God did. So he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's, it's the first event, but it's also a summary passage. It is a, a macro view of everything God's going to do throughout the first few chapters of Genesis. It says, if you ever had to wonder what was going on or what, 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 what was the start of everything. It was God. God created. God created the heavens and the earth. He is creating all things. He is creating matter. He is creating space. He is creating time. That, that sentence is surrounded by the truth of what we believe is that God created. There is one God, the, the one true God, the same God that is, is declared in the Shema that we've, we've studied numerous times is the same God that, that Moses is writing about in verse 1. He's saying God created the heavens and the earth. And heavens and the earth is translated roughly just into everything. Everything that is and was and is to be was created and found its origin in the creation of God. God spoke things into being. He follows it up with, in verse 2, without form and void and darkness. So he says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So what they're saying is there was no context. There was no order. There was just darkness. And God God had a, a, a moment of just creation, and He spoke it in to being like that. And the Spirit of God, the, the, the Spirit of God that we know as the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the water. And in the first two verses of the Bible, we... There's already been brought into this this triune God. The triune God that we serve is is resting in Trinitarian community. It is resting in the the, the comfort and community of itself. You see this same kind of language get brought up in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, where it says that the Word was in the beginning, and the beginning was was created through Him, and through Him being the light of the world. You see, at the very beginning of creation. Every time I start talking, my daughter starts yelling at me. <laughs> hey, what's up? Yeah, I don't know. 
But you see, you see this beauty. You see um, this declaration of the truth uh, from here on out, where you see, hey, who created everything? And, and everything, where do we find? We find our truth, our values. Everything is from the one true God, and that God created everything. He created all things just by speaking, and He did so in His triune nature. He did so just through the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I know a lot of us are thinking like, man, I, I want to know the special things about Genesis. I want to know like where the dinosaurs came in. Or I want to know like, what is the actual age of the earth? Or what is, what is, what is all these things that culturally are debated and culturally um, we kind of see tension in. And uh, I think it's okay for us to always study uh, in depth what the most we can find out about our faith. I don't think uh, the, the idea of just you just got to trust blind faith and move forward um, is a beautiful thing. And there are aspects of our faith where we have to just trust a sovereign God um, that He knows best. But there's also uh, a beauty in just the studying of Scripture and the studying of doxology and, and doctrine. And I want to tell you, um, just throughout this study of Genesis, where you're going to see the teaching from uh, this stage and the teaching that comes from me and Jamin, is we're always going to let the Bible paint us in. We're never going to go any further than what the Bible presents us, and we're never going to go any shorter than what the Bible presents us. We're going to find the truth uh, of, of the passages of Genesis. We're going to find the truth that is there that may mean that you don't leave with all the answers. And there may be questions that I have to simply just say, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, this, this book, Genesis, was not created to answer all of your questions. Genesis was created to prove to you that there is a sovereign God, that we serve uh, the one true God, and that everything was created through Him. And there are some things tonight that we can't walk away not understanding. There are some declarations of just simple biblical truth that we have to absolutely affirm as, as the body of believers. Because there are some things that we can debate and we can agree to disagree and we can say, hey, I, I think the earth may be this old or I think dinosaurs came in in day four or whatever. I don't know that to be true. Don't quote that. We'll cut that. But, um... Uh, but there are some things that I don't want us to ever walk away from as the body of believers not on the same page. And the, the, the peace that comes from that. There is peace in knowing that you were created by a sovereign God. And there is peace in knowing our place in that creation story. There's a peace in knowing the beginning. There's a peace in knowing how everything started. And one of the things that we cannot leave without knowing and declaring and finding peace in is the fact that God created there, there is no debate. There is no uh, uh, argument. There is the fact that God created everything from nothing. He spoke everything into existence. And, and nothing is, is formed without Him. And He is dependent on nothing. He is the only thing uncreated. And everything from Him is created. And I know we get a little complicated when we start to talk about, hey, there is no where and when of God. There is no beginning. There is no end. Genesis is depicting the beginning of, of the earth and the world and the universe as we know it. But God rested prior to that in triune community with himself. He was before uh, the creation of all things. And I'll be the first one to tell you, um, I get confused in like time travel movies. 
Who does that? Like, they're literally, I watched the butterfly effect like 10 times and I still didn't get it. And then when I did get it, it was super sad. Um, and then like, but I'm not even saying complicated time travel movies. I'm saying like Back to the Future gets me sometimes. Like the time vortex. And one of the things that always uh, perplexed me about Genesis or one of the things that always made me make, like, keep it at arm's length, like I know God created everything. I know he was the beginning of everything. And I'm just going to move on until we're in like Exodus because those stories kind of piqued my interest a little more and, and why I've maybe stayed away. And I think there's probably some people that are similar to that is really the concept of the, the lack of understanding of time. The fact that, that God always was, is, and will always be. And the fact that he spoke things into being. He spoke them into being from nothing. And in no way did he depend on those things prior to or after. Like God's not dependent on us. He didn't create us because there was like a, a U-shaped hole in God's heart. That's not true. That's, not, that's bad theology. God created us out of sovereign love and joy. But there wasn't like, man, I really just need more Tim in my life. God's never... in well, we're going off tangent, but the point is that God depends on nothing, but everything depends on Him, and there's this blanket of, I don't know when God started, that always made me kind of fearful, or maybe uh, fearful of teaching this, especially corporately, but uh, th there's so much beauty once you dive in, and you realize that God's not dependent on me, which is beautiful, because I will absolutely let God down. I, I will, if, if, if God's love is dependent on something I can do or his creation is dependent on something I can do, then ultimately there's a failure in, in the idea of it because I'm, I'm just me and I'm going to let him down. Um, there, there is a, a beauty in understanding the relationship between the creator and creation and that's where we can find peace and that's where we can take a breath. We have a role and a duty to be faithful to the cause of Christ and, and to answer God's will. But ultimately, you are not God. And there's beauty in that because there are times in our life when we think we are. There are times in our life when we think um, the whole world is revolving around us or, or the success of our family is revolving around us or there's so much just contingent on us. And I'm not saying that you aren't a vital part of your family or not a vital part of this church, but there's a beauty in understanding you are simply the creation. That the Creator is sovereign, the Creator has a plan, the Creator has no beginning and ending to Him, and we are just uh, faithful members of His creation, and we have an order and we have a job, but we are not the Creator, we are the creation. And we must declare this. We must rest in this. And a lot of us know that, right? Like we know that in our heads. Like if I gave you a test over Genesis and I just had 10 easy Sunday school questions of like who created everything, everyone would check God. If you said, hey, did you create anything? You would say no. Um, but we don't live our lives like that. We don't live our lives in the peace of understanding the relationship between creation and creator. We got to understand too, how this book was written, how, how the book of Genesis was composed. So um, Moses is, is uh, credited with writing the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the, the law, right? He was writing this. Most people will say he wrote it while uh, the nation of Israel was wandering in the wilderness. And if you understand its, its first-tier audience or who it was ascribed to be read first, um, a lot of Genesis 1 and 2 makes sense. And a lot of Genesis you can see almost restated throughout the Torah where he's continually trying to get the nation 
nation of Israel to understand that there is one true God. He is the creator of all things. He's the beginning of all things. He's the end of all things. And you're not it. Because you see idolatry slip in time and time again in the life of Israel and time and time again in the life of America because we forget the biblical truth of who created all things, who sustains all things, and who that who the power and glory actually should be ascribed to. Because there's times when we let idolatry, we let ourselves slip into that. So Moses is writing Genesis, and Genesis verses 1 and 2 almost come out as a declaration. It looks very similar, or is written very similar to the the Shema that we talk about when there's the, the declaration of who we should worship and who we should love is the same thought as Moses ascribes it to Genesis 1 where he's saying this is who created everything. He's writing this to the nation of Israel as they have just left the captivity of Egypt and the captivity of the Egyptians who was a, uh, a polytheistic society. There were many gods. There were many different uh, idols. There were many different de- deities and entities and there's the, the people who power there's the sun and there's Amun Ra who powers the stars. And there's so many things that Moses' worry was not that Israel would not understand or believe in a God. He thought they would just add that God to the shelves of God they've been studying and have been walking alongside to the last 400 years of their captivity. And he knows that God has granted them an exodus from Egypt, but he is giving them a land of Canaan where there is more polytheistic beliefs. There's more gods. There's more uh, belief of, of kings over the stars and queens over earth. And he understands that the only way this nation is going to survive, the only way this nation is actually going to kick it into high gear and understand the life they've been called to live of God's chosen people is to understand that there is one God and that he created everything. Does that sound familiar? That's the world we're living in right now. There's a belief in this culture... I thought I was, I was worried that I wasn't going to get like amped up because it was Genesis, but clearly that's not a problem. Um, there, there's a belief now that we're, we get confused on who is actually the creator, who is actually the creation, and, and our biggest fight is not that we believe in God. The biggest problem is that we give God a lowercase g, and we just put him on the shelf with other gods, and we put him on the shelf of other things, and that's the definition of idolatry. That's the root of idolatry, and idolatry is the root of everything every sin. Hear me out when I say that. Idolatry is the root of every sin because every sin is saying, I know better than God and I'm going to place the glory instead of on God, I'm going to place it on this and then fill in the blank. Wherever Satan has you, wherever you believe this thing is, is worth more glory and worth more praise. Whew. It takes a special blood, like type of person to get amped up about Genesis 1 and 2, but that's the pastor you you call home. Um, So I'm going to take a little breath. So we have to understand um, the relationship we find in the creator creation. Paul writes about it in Romans uh, chapter 1. And Romans chapter 1 is a pretty scary place to read if you you get confused in where you should find yourself on which side of creation and creator and who you should ascribe the glory to. I'm going to read Romans chapter 1 verses 19 through 25 and then we'll break it down and we'll close out. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely the eternal power and the divine nature, have been clearly provided since the creation of the world. So what Paul is writing there is you walk outside, you see trees, and you realize you didn't create them. You go outside and you see a river and you realize that you didn't create that river. 
You go outside, you see the sky, you see the sun, you see the stars, and you see the moon, and you realize you had nothing to do with it, right? So Paul's saying, even if you don't call Christ your king, you understand the things of this world were not created at your hands. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God nor give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts and to the impurity and dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever ever. Amen. So that is us in a nutshell. We have Romans writing about a problem in modern day, uh, or Paul writing about a, a problem in modern day Rome. We have Moses writing specifically in Genesis to the nation of Israel finding themselves in a transitional period between Egypt and the land of Cana. And then we have Trinity Church in 2019. And every person that is hearing this scripture or the scriptures being written to is suffering from the same problem. There are times when we worship the creation and we forget about the creator. And there's a time when, when we find ourselves and we put ourselves in the place of the creator. We say, say to ourselves, we know best. And we're going to hash this out, right? We have whole chapters over the fall of man. We have whole chapters of, of God's beautiful, good creation turning into a broken world. We're going to hit it up and we're not going to shy away. But you have to understand that this scripture, even the, the, even the beginning of the Bible, the first two verses is, is written to the heart of man because the writer of the scripture, Moses is actually just breathing out the words from the Spirit, and he knows what we need. He knew what the nation of Israel needs. He knows what Trinity Church needs, because we're all suffering from the same thing. We're all so eager to worship the creation when we are called to love the Creator. But there is peace in knowing the difference. There is peace in understanding the exchange could happen. You can exchange the glory of God for the glory of man. But when you understand the truth that is the gospel, the truth that is the written word, the, the, the Bible, it is, it is a way for us to shy against it. This is the root of idolatry and sin. But, the, but Genesis 1 and 2 speaks to the truth and the root of our faith. You cannot move forward. We are making foundational blocks at Trinity Church. That's why we're starting with Genesis. Because Genesis is where everything finds its origin. Whether it be the creation of the earth or the faith of man. We're going to watch some beautiful things happen in the life of Israel. We're going to watch some beautiful things happen in, in, the, in the relationship and the covenant with Abraham and the fall of man. And all the stuff that's going to be uh, what I would call Sunday school topics. We're going to link them together. Because one of the, the bigger failures of the last 25, 30 years is that we treat them as individual, really cool stories. But the truth is, they're linear, put together as one beautiful redemption story of a God who created everything, sustains everything, and in through His Son, Jesus Christ, will save everything. Amen. I'm really excited about Genesis. 
I'm really excited about a group of people that will come out in like the nastiest weather. It just feels gross outside, but all of you faithfully came to church, and I'm, I'm really thankful that in the, in the peak of flu season, in the peak of just rainy nastiness, we have a room full of people really excited about the study of Genesis. Let me pray over us. We're going to sing one more song, and we're going to dive into just Genesis as, as God would intend. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have just to call you our creator, our sustainer. And God, I pray for the next few days and the next few weeks that you never let us lose sight of the relationship between the creator and the creation, that we would would cling to the hope that is we know our order, we know our place, and through that worship, we we can be called just humble servants of the one true God. I pray um, that this study that we would stay faithful to, that we would would go where the Bible uh, calls us and not go anywhere further or shorter. God, I pray that over the people in this room, that they call you King. I pray all things in your name for your glory. Amen.